Hey everyone, you're tuned in to Unfiltered Black Hottie, a podcast about whatever the F I want. Join me, T. Sharon, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. for conversations about everything from true crime to conspiracies to social media bullshit, everything black, and a whole lot more from an unfiltered black hottie's perspective. Enjoy your earful and catch up with us on our social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Unfiltered Black Hottie, Twitter, You Black Hottie. Join the conversation on Facebook at Unfiltered Black Hottie Podcast. You can listen to the show on your favorite places to listen to podcasts, including Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Get all this info and everything else you could possibly need about the show at www.ublackhottie.com, including ways to support the show like Patreon or Buy Me a Chai. Unfiltered Black Hottie welcomes everyone, but isn't for everyone. Some topics may be sensitive or triggering to certain listeners. Most episodes do have curse words sprinkled throughout. That's your warning. Now let's get to it. Hey y'all, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered Black Hottie. I really don't have any important business to remind you guys about, except for reviews. If you guys like my podcast, and I hope you guys do, if you don't tell me what to do to fix this shit, but if you like it, leave me a five-star review wherever you are listening to this podcast. That helps me get out there and other people can find my podcast and they can enjoy me just like you do. So, also, in other recent personal news, I just adopted a dog from a rescue boutique. Yeah, it was fancy. It was called a rescue boutique. Um, He's going crazy. Well, he's not going crazy. He came from, like, a, um abusive breeder situation so he's like super scared of me but y'all he is so spoiled like this dog has like four beds a heating pad like two different styles of bowls i was actually looking online last night for an automatic uh food dispenser for him um and i'm like what the hell you don't even want to lay up with me dog that's why i got you because i'm single and i need companionship (laughs) No, I ain't saying it like that. But, yeah, so I got a new puppy son, a new pup son. His name is Samuel Shakur, after Tupac, King Tut Jackson, Sam Jackson. Yes, I was going to name him Motherfucker Jones, but my mama asked me not to. His nicknames are Money, after my dad charming because my nieces think he's a prince charming even though he is not he is a demon and his other nickname is papa because i just be calling him that so yeah samuel shakur king tut 
Jackson, a.k.a. Papa, a.k.a. Money, a.k.a. Charming. Now, let's jump right into this episode. So, I have this platform, and on this platform, I, you know, educate you all about certain things, tell you what's going on in my life. You know, we shoot the shit on this platform. When you have a platform, you should definitely use it to get out wherever you are trying to get out. In a minute, I'm going to start talking to y'all about Scientology, because <laughs> I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm lying. I can't even think of nothing to say. But... In 1968, at the Mexico City Olympics, John Carlos and Tommy Smith chose to use their platform to uh, take a stand against racial injustice. Now, I'm sure we all have seen the picture. No, I know we all have seen the picture, but I know a bunch of us don't even know the story behind the picture. Y'all know the picture I'm talking about, the one with the two black guys um, fist in the air at the Olympics. Yeah, that picture. I didn't even know the story behind it. So... When I learn something new, as I should, I'm passing the knowledge on to y'all asses. So what y'all need to do is pass the knowledge on to somebody else and leave me a review or share this with your friends or share this podcast on your social media platforms. Use these platforms. (laughs) So let me start at the beginning. John Carlos, he was born June 5th, 1945, a Gemini. But he cool, though. He was born in the Bronx, but grew up in Harlem. He was an excellent student and athlete all throughout school. And he ended up with a um, scholarship to go to Texas State University, uh, like a track scholarship. After his first year, he enrolled at San Jose State University. That's where he met Tommy Smith. Now, they grew up kind of different. Tommy was a down south boy. He was from Texas. They were born a day and a year apart. Um, so his birthday was June 6, 1944. He was a Gemini, too. He was born in Clarksville, Texas. Now, he grew up working on a farm in, in cotton fields with his family. He said they used to run everywhere <laughs> and run from each other and run from their mom. I think I remember reading that he had like 12 or 11 or 12 siblings. So one day he told his dad that he wanted to like actually race and compete. And his dad told him that he can only race if he won. So what the fuck did he do? He won. Simple. <laughs> he also earned a scholarship to San Jose State. He set a record, actually, at San Jose. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, for um, 19.5 seconds in the 200-millimeter race. And that record was not beat until 2010, 44 years later. So, like I said, they both was killing it in high school, got the scholarships to San Jose. So, you know what they did at San Jose, right? They killed it. They was, like, top-flight athletes. And they knew each other. You know, they knew each other. They they knew that they were teammates. And they knew that they had a chance to go to the Olympics, right? But, now, there was an organization started by this guy. I will have to look up his name. (laughs) I don't remember his name. It was Harry something, I think. I'm sorry for that. I should have the information. I don't. I'm sorry. I apologize. But they were a part of an organization. Um, They actually helped start it. It was the Olympic Project for Human Rights. Now, this organization, the Olympic Project for Human Rights, uh, had a plan to boycott the Olympics. They wanted to boycott the Olympics because in 1968, the track and field team, um, I think it had like 22 black players or athletes on the team and you guys know in 1968 <clears throat> Malcolm X was dead 
uh, MLK was dead. It was just a lot of bullshit going on. This was kind of at the end of the civil rights movement leading into the black power movement. And y'all, you, just like now, black people, black athletes are only, they only want you for the sports. They only want you for your talent. So these athletes decided they not getting treated fair at home just in their daily lives, and they are black people first. It's like you're black first and then an athlete. So they wanted to stand up for black people, which I applaud, and they planned to boycott the Olympics. Now, the reason they wanted to boycott their Olympics, they had like four um, terms that they wanted met, okay? One of those was that Muhammad Ali had to have his heavyweight boxing title uh, restored or reinstated. They wanted Africa and <clears throat> Rhodesia to be uninvited to the Olympics. That's because they practiced apartheid in both of those countries. And you guys know what apartheid is, right? Yeah. So they practiced that shit in that country. So they wanted them um, not to be able to come to the Olympics. They wanted more black athletes to be able, I'm sorry, more black coaches to be able to participate in coaching Olympic um, teams. They wanted um, Avery Brundage to step down. He was the um, like president of the Olympic Committee, the International Olympic Committee. They wanted him to step down. And they also, wait, that was it. Muhammad Ali, Africa and Rhodesia to be uninvited. Avery Brundage to, be, to step down and lose his position because he's a known racist, which I'm going to get into that later. And they wanted more black coaches to be able to um, coach Olympic teams. So that was the terms that they had. So anyway, now at the end of the day, the Olympics actually decided to go ahead and, uh, uninvite those countries. So that term was met. They were not going to let Avery Brundage step down. I knew that shit when I read a story about Avery Brundage. Um, and the boycott wasn't getting as much like um, traction as they thought. So they did have a plan B and they decided to go with the plan B and the plan B was what to protest on the podium, but that mean they had to place, which they did. So basically they decided we're going to just win this race. We're going to knock the socks off of the other competition and we're going to, you know, use the platform that is the podium and we're going to make our protest. We're going to, you know, get our voices heard. So they changed their mind on boycotting and did damn thing at the Olympics. So October sixteenth, nineteen sixty eight, Mexico City, during the two hundred millimeter race, the two hundred meter race, um, Tommy Smith placed first. He won, ran a nineteen point eight, winning gold. Australian runner Norman Peters placed second. He came in at twenty point oh six. He won silver. And John Carlos, he won third. He won the bronze medal at. 20 seconds and um 20 sec 20.10 20. seconds yeah okay so now we got the top three in the entire world everybody's looking at you these are the fastest three men in the world and two of them are black the first place and third place are black right so how dope is that so now it's time to make that necessary statement now like i said this was 1968 and shit was already tense like i said we was ending the civil rights movement that was the same year Martin Luther King was murdered in the beginning of the Black Power days, like the Black Panther days, shit like that. Not to mention, 
two weeks earlier, there was a insane massacre in Mexico. Now, the reason there was this this massacre of the citizens of Mexico, they kind of felt like, why y'all putting all this money into the Olympics and y'all don't even care about the citizens? It was a whole big thing. This was so terrible that the death toll, some people, it goes from three to 3,000. A lot of reports reported two or three people dying, two or three students dying. But when I researched this and I looked into some of the accounts of the people who were like eyewitnesses, they remember seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bodies in the streets. So it was a massive cover up, which I definitely want to dive into that at a later date. But right now, we're talking about black shit. <laughs> now, back to the Olympics. Okay, now they won this race. They know that they, you know, they won. They got to, they're getting prepared to go out to the podium and accept their medals, right? Now, before they headed out, all three, Tommy Smith, Peter Norman, and John Carlos put on Olympic Project for Human Rights buttons on their, um, on their jackets, right? Peter Norman knew about the drama going on in the U.S. with black people, um, mainly with black people. And he wanted to show his support and express sympathy because, I mean, it's really rare that other countries even care about the plight or whatever struggle black people are going through. But he was their teammate. You know what I'm saying? He He ran with them. He got to know them. And they actually legit asked him to do this right before they went out he heard them talking about it and they kind of was like shit you want to make this this protest with us you want to take a stand with us the pen that he used was actually somebody else's i'm sorry tommy smith and john carlos both went out shoeless they wore black socks to represent black poverty in america mr smith also wore a black scarf around his neck to represent his black pride okay tommy Carlos left his jacket open to show solidarity with the blue collar workers. And that was against like the uniform to have your Olympic jacket unzipped. But he wanted to show that he wasn't above anybody. He wanted to show solidarity with the blue collar workers. So he left his unzipped like just down a little bit. He also wore a beaded necklace. The necklace represented, quote, the individuals that were lynched and killed, the individuals that no one said a prayer for. Those hung and tarred, those thrown off the sides of the boats in the middle passage. That's some deep shit. That's what's up. So on the day of, on the day of, like right before this was happening, John Carlos forgot his pair of black leather gloves. So Peter Norman, the Australian who came in second place, suggested that they share the gloves. So that's what they did. That's why if you look at the picture, um, they don't. They have on opposite hands. So, yeah. Both men raised the black leather gloved fist in the air during the Star Spangled Banner. Smith later said that he kept his arm covering his face in case a sniper fired. The whole entire world saw this. Can you imagine if you was black in 1968 and you saw this? Can you imagine watching the Olympics knowing that it's 400 million people watching this? And it's two black dudes, two of the top three fastest in the world at this time. And they got their fist in the air. Can you imagine how big your heart, how full your heart would have been 
how much pride you would have. I feel like I want to cry just thinking about it. But just think about the amount of pride you see looking at your black and white or color TV. I don't know what they had back then. And just seeing two men that look like your cousins, that look like your brothers, that look like your uncle, that look like your daddy, with a fist in the air. Can you imagine seeing that? Can you think about the the pride that just swept over black America at this time? Whew. Let me catch my breath. <laughs> they said they was nervous. You know, they heard so many boos from the crowd. Everybody wondered why they had to not the nerve to do this black power salute at the Olympics. Later in the interviews, the men would say that the fist in the air was more of a human rights protest. Mm, we know. But <laughs> not just to symbolize black power. But like I said, we know. But of course, the men got hella, hella, hella black lives from this silent protest. Y'all already knew that, though. They got so many boos from the crowd. And as soon as they walked off... uh after the Star Spangled Banner and they walked off, they immediately got pulled to the side. <laughs> like, immediately. Mr. Smith was later quoted saying, if I win, I'm an American, not a black American. But if I did something bad, then they will say I'm a Negro. We are black, and we are proud of being black. Black America will understand what we did tonight. Hell motherfucking yeah, Tommy. We know what you did. Now, at the time, the head of the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, was Avery Brundage. Now, this guy was American, but he was 100% known for being a Nazi sympathizer. Everybody knew that he was racist. Like, everybody. That's why one of the conditions of the boycott was that he be removed. Okay? That was one that, you know, he was just doing too fucking much. He was racist, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew he was a piece of shit. Shit. In 1912, he competed in the Summer Olympics, and he didn't win. So I feel like he was just jealous as fuck. Then again, in 1936, in the Olympics in Berlin, he did not bat a fucking eye, and he allowed the Nazi salute. The fucking Nazi salute. But you getting mad because these people putting a fist in the air? He claimed that since it was a recognized salute, it was recognized nationally, it was acceptable at a competition of nations. And the fist in the air was not a salute of nations. He was a fucking dick and an anti-Semitic racist. Avery Brundage, ho ass, ordered the um, Smith and Carlos banned from the Olympic Village and t- let them know that they had 48 hours to get off the Olympic quarters and get the hell out of Mexico. He also wanted them suspended off the U.S. team. When the U.S. Olympic Committee refused, he threatened to ban the entire U.S. track team, period. So for the sake of the team, Tommy Smith and John Carlos were expelled, but they got to keep their medals. The IOC called the protest a deliberate and violent breach of fundamental principles of the Olympic spirit. How the fuck was this violent? Anything that black people do that is against Anything that anything that black people do is always deemed violent. I don't get that shit, but it is what it is. How the fuck was it violent? Because they're black. Like they wanted they immediately put them in the angry black man category. As soon as you do something that white people don't want you to do, you're always considered an angry black person, which really sucks. Like that really, really sucks. Like I could turn left when the, the GPS says right. If it's a, then they gonna think I'm an angry black woman. Like, make that shit make sense. Literally, everybody hated the Olympians, especially 
non-blacks in the United States. Both men and their families got death threats. People called their house making threats. People would ride by. People would burn crosses in there. Like, people would heckle them, you know, ride by yelling out the windows. People would actually burn bags of shit on their front porch. (laughs) That's gross. Tommy's mom even got a dead animal in the mailbox. I hope that the Most High will always keep my heart so filled with love that I will never, ever be so mad as to burn animal or human shit and put it in a bag and burn it and sit it on somebody's porch. I, I think that's the nastiest thing, one of the nastiest things that anybody could ever think of. And my dog has the worst smelling shit I ever smelled. So I wouldn't even, I gag when I have to like, you know, clean up after him. So I could never do that. (laughs) On December the 25th, I'm sorry, on October the 25th, a Time Magazine writer wrote, faster, higher, stronger is the model of the U.S. of the Olympic Games. Angrier, nastier, uglier, better describes the scene in Mexico City last week. Brent Musburger, who at the time wrote for the Chicago American, but later became a sports personality on ESPN and CBS Sports, called Tommy and John a couple of black-skinned stormtroopers. A black-skinned stormtroopers. Now, how do you advance that high in your career from being a writer to a sports personality on ESPN, on TV, and you said some shit like that? Peter Norman got ate the fuck up. He got shit from Australia. He got shit on by him. They treated him like a pariah. Um, like he got treated worse because it was just him. At least here in the United States, there's Tommy and John and a hundred million other black people who get treated like badly or whatever. But I mean, it was just him by himself defending himself in Australia. So that really sucked. He never went to the Olympics again, even though every single year after that, every time there was an Olympic qualification, he qualified. This incident basically ended his career. John Carlos said, I'll stand with you. He John Carlos said that he thought that he saw fear in Peter's eyes. Like he thought that he would see fear in his eyes when he told him, I'll stand with you. But he said he only saw love. The button that he wore, it wasn't even his. He had borrowed it from somebody who never wanted, um, so this situation basically ended his career. He never qualified for the Olympics again. Actually, he never went to the Olympics again, although every single year that he could, you know, participate, he qualified for it. John Carlos said that when he looked into his eyes, he didn't see any fear at all. He just saw love. And he was referring to the time where he looked in his eyes when he said, I will stand with you guys. The button that he wore wasn't even his. It was borrowed by somebody who didn't place. You know, nobody ever wants anybody sympathizing with black people, which really sucks. He ended up being a trainer for an Australian football league. In 1985, he contracted gangrene and almost had his leg cut off. Because of that, he became depressed and addicted to the pills that he was taking for the situation with his leg. He died of a heart attack in 2006. Um, John Carlos and Tommy Smith both 
spoke at his funeral and um, both of them were pallbearers. In 1999, he was inducted into the Sports Australia Hall of Fame. In 2000, he was given an Australia Sports Medal. In 2010, the Athletics of Australia Hall of Fame inducted him. They really didn't show him no love until after he was dead. But we knew that because that's how people do, right? Yeah. <laughs> the following year for John Carlos was bomb as fuck. He led the San Jose team to their first NCAA championship, and he was featured on the cover of Track and Field News Magazine in 1969. After his track career ended, in 1970, he entered the NFL draft but was injured early and he was supposed to play with the Philadelphia Eagles. He ended up playing in the Canadian League after that. Um, once he retired from football, Mr. Carlos worked for Puma because that was his signature shoe. He worked for the Olympic Committee, the Organizing Olympic Committee of 1984, the Summer, Summer Olympic Games of 1984, and also he worked for the city of Los Angeles. He became a counselor and track and field coach at Palm Springs High. And he has numerous awards and honors. And in 2003, he was elected into the National Track and Field Hall of Fame. In 2005, that's when they put a statue at um, San Jose State of the two men. And that statue, it's like them on the podium. Um, Peter Norman actually wanted his spot left empty because he wanted people to stand in his spot to feel how he felt when... They were all standing up there. So I thought that was pretty dope. And in um, D.C., at the Smithsonian, um, it's empty, too. And I actually stood in there. i got to find those pictures so I can post them. Um, in 2006, like I said, he gave he actually gave the eulogy at Peter Norman's funeral. And him and Tommy Smith were both pallbearers. In 2007, he was honored at the Trumpet Awards in Las Vegas. What else? In t April 2018, him and Tommy Smith accepted the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage at the ESPYs. Like, he's just been getting down. He's been, <laughs> he been getting shit everywhere. So, just like... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me back up. Let me back up. Tell y'all some of the other awards he won. In 28, 2008, him and Tommy Smith accepted the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage at the ESPYs. He even participated in Occupy Wall Street in 2011. In 2018, he attended the Socialism Conference hosted by the International Socialist Organization. And to this day, he continued to, to do speaking events and speak out about... And, yeah. To this day, he continues to do speaking events and speak out against racial and social injustice. Now, just like John Carlos, Mr. Smith went on to set several world records. The year before, he drafted to the Los Angeles Rams, but he ended up playing for the Bengals. That was the year before the Olympics. <clears throat> um, he received numerous, numerous honors and uh, awards in 1978. He was inducted into the uh, Track and Field Hall of Fame. In 1996, he was inducted into the California Black Sportsman's Hall of Fame. 1999, uh, he was the sportsman of the millennium. He became a track coach at Oberlin College in Ohio, and he also taught sociology there. He has a biography called Silent Gestures, written in 2007, and he also gifted Usain Bolt one of his tennis shoes, the, the shoes that he ran in, um, as a birthday gift, and he put his gold medal up for auction in 2010. So... 
he like they both went on to do a lot of like So just like um, Mr. Carlos, Tommy Smith, he just he led an incredible life afterwards. Um, There was a point where Mr. Carlos's wife, uh, he went through a little depression. His his wife just couldn't handle how they were being treated, you know, after this Olympic event. And she actually committed suicide. And he just went through a little depression, kind of feeling guilty or whatever. But other than that, they had excellent lives. There's so many uh, things out. Like so many podcasts, so many YouTube videos, so many interviews. There's a lot more with Tommy Smith than there is with John Carlos. I found a lot of interviews. I found a lot of speaking events that he does. Even he just did one like right after COVID sort of died down or whatever. Um, I wanted to end um, with a quote from Tommy Smith. It says, quote, we are not we were not antichrist. We were just human beings who saw a need to bring attention to the inequality in our country. I do not like the idea of people looking at it as a negative. There was nothing but a raised fist in the air, a bowed head acknowledging the American flag, not symbolizing a hatred for it, end quote. So that is the story of the silent gesture that you all see, uh, Like I said, I never knew the actual story behind it. I thought they was just like black power. I didn't know that they got suspended. They got threatened to have their medals taken. I didn't know that there was even a committee behind this and that they were going to boycott the Olympics first. So the more you know, that's a great story. There's, um, excuse me, a lot of up-to-date interviews and, um, podcast and like I said YouTube videos there's so much information about this so I encourage you all to look more into it if you so desire (laughs) um thank you guys for tuning in I really appreciate it have a great day on purpose so just like um Mr. Carlos Tommy Smith he just he led an incredible life afterwards um there was a point where Mr. Carlos's wife uh he went through a little depression his his wife just couldn't handle how they were being treated, you know, after this Olympic event. And she actually committed suicide. And he just went through a little depression, kind of feeling guilty or whatever. But other than that, they had excellent lives. There's so many uh, things out, like so many podcasts, so many YouTube videos, so many interviews. There's a lot more with Tommy Smith and there is with John Carlos. I found a lot of interviews. I found a lot of speaking events that he does. Even he just did one like right after COVID sort of died down or whatever. Um, I wanted to end um, with a quote from Tommy Smith. It says, quote, we are not we were not antichrist. We were just human beings who saw a need to bring attention to the inequality in our country. I do not like the idea of people looking at it as a negative. There was nothing but a raised fist in the air, a bowed head acknowledging the American flag, not symbolizing a hatred for it, end quote. So that is the story of the silent gesture that you all see. Uh, Like I said, I never knew the actual story behind it. I thought they was just like black power. I didn't know that they got suspended. They got threatened to have their medals taken. I didn't know that there was even a committee behind this and that they were going to boycott the Olympics first. So the more you know, 
that's a great story. There's um excuse me, a lot of up to date interviews and um podcasts and like I said, YouTube videos. There's so much information about this. So I encourage you all to look more into it if you so desire. <laughs> um Thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Have a great day on purpose. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Unfiltered Black Hottie. (laughs) If you enjoyed the show, leave your girl a five-star review and brag on me just a little bit. Feel free to send in episode suggestions, questions, comments, or concerns, or whatever you want to unfilteredblackhottie at gmail.com. For everything else, as always, check out www.ublackhottie.com.